His Love Christian Fellowship is excited to share this podcast with you. We hope you enjoy this message. All right. Um, I have something to share today that um, has been on my heart off and on for a few years, but then um, I didn't wasn't really on my heart, but then I felt like the Lord wanted me to share on it, so I will. But um, <clears throat> uh, I think I want to start off by just saying that friendship with God is everything. It really is. When you when you turn to Him, like what Ezekiel is saying, when you turn to Him for everything you need, when you're lonely, when your finances aren't enough, when whatever, when you're going through rejection, when you're going through pain, if he's the one you turn to and he's the friend that you look to, that's like everything because he is everything. He provides everything you need. Um, so this is kind of about that, but it's, um, I'm just going to read what I felt like I was supposed to. Um, so who was Jesus's number one opponent to his ministry and his teachings? I think we probably all know that. It was the Pharisees and the Sadducees. They were the ones like he argued with. They were the and the scribes and the the ones that knew the law. He was. They were the ones that not just argued with him every single thing he did, just about. They were also the ones that had him crucified. They were the force that had him crucified. And if you think about it, in today's language. Who would those people be? Who would the Pharisees and the Sadducees be? They would be the church. That's, I mean, they're the, they're the denominations of the day. They were the Pharisees and the Sadducees. I think there was another, uh, another one that wasn't as well known, but that's who they were. They were the church. The church was the number one opponent to uh, uh, opposition to, to Jesus. And um, it's uh, in, let me grab this first, John 1.11 says, he came to his own people. And I think it means, you know, he came to his creation, but he also came to his own people, the ones that should have been the ones that welcomed him. And even they rejected him. How sad. Um, so what happened? They should have been the ones welcoming the kingdom, not destroying it. They should have been the ones falling head over heels for Jesus. How could you listen and study the written words of God and agree with them and obey them in your mind to an extent, um, but then end up wanting to kill the author of the words? Like, how could you spend your life studying the scriptures? Um, let's see, John 5:37 says, and my father himself, this is Jesus talk, talking, who gave me this mission has also testified that I am his son. But you, he's talking to the, the religious of the day, you have never heard his voice. That's, that's a big, big deal. Has the church heard his voice? You have never seen his face, nor does his word truly live inside of you. For you refuse to believe in me or embrace me as God's message. You are busy analyzing the scriptures, frantically pouring over them in hopes of gaining eternal life. Everything you read points to me. <laughs> Everything that we're doing should point to Jesus. 
everything that you're that everything that you would consider being a good Christian and being a uh, religious person here in America should all be centered back at Jesus. If it's not coming from a place of relationship, then it's coming from religion. It's coming from deadness. Um, everything you read points to me, yet you still refuse to come to me so I can give you the life you're looking for, eternal life. I do not accept the honor that comes from men, for I know what kind of people you really are, and I can see that the love of God has found no home in you. So to me, it looks kind of simple. They had created religion around words on paper about their own opinions. They added a bunch of rules themselves that, that wasn't even in the scriptures. Um, they had created a system of duty, do this, do this, do this, and all the while had left behind relationship with God. That's what religion is. Religion is doing stuff but not having a relationship with God. And it's... it's um, I'm going to give some examples here. Um, yeah. When Jesus was crucified, what did the sign read hanging above Jesus' head on the cross? I'll read it here, Matthew 27. A sign was fastened above Jesus' head announcing the charge against him. It read, this is Jesus, the king of the Jews. Let me read that again. It was the charge against him. This is Jesus, the king of the Jews. It wasn't he did this, he did that. It was this is who he is. That's the charge against him. They didn't like Jesus. How could you read the Bible and then meet Jesus and not like him? They hated him, really. They were so against him. So uh, that's what it looks like when we go through the motions of religion. You can say that the Sadducee and Pharisee problem doesn't apply to today. But I know that's not true. Religion is always available for those that want it. <laughs> uh, I've seen people who have called themselves Christians be full of hatred and bitterness towards people, towards their own fellow believers. John, in 1 John, it talks about that, that if, the, if you don't, can't love your brother who you can see, you ain't going to love God who you can't see. Um, I've seen, seen Christians who want to judge the world, you know, I've seen all of this is all kind of just stems from religion and not from relationship. So what I'm trying to get at is we have got to be focused on one thing, that we are in relationship with God. It doesn't matter what you do outside of that or what you think you do that, that's making you, you know, a better person. If you don't have that one thing. Jesus is my friend. I go to him for everything. I find my source of life from him. I find everything I need from him. So how do you know if you're stepping into religion? Um, there's a couple things I wanted to, to say. One is how much does he talk to you? It really does. I, this makes a big difference. Can you hear the Lord for yourself and can you listen do you spend time listening? It's really easy to read the Bible. That's awesome. God speaks through that. Obviously, his Holy Spirit does. But <clears throat> sometimes your brain is overthinking everything that you're reading, and you don't ever have a relationship. Could you imagine if your spouse had to write everything to you? <laughs> Sorry, I can't hear a word you're saying. Can you text that to me? Like, whoa, <laughs> what's going on here? 
So you have to have a relationship with the Lord. I know I'm kind of preaching to the choir, but these are some things that really hit home for me. How much, uh, yeah, how much time do you spend, out, spend with him? How much time do you just hang out with him? These are just some questions. But another test is how much do you think your own works are bringing you closer to the Lord or your own works are saving you? Well, not at all. That's what everybody's going to say, right? <laughs> oh, no, I know I'm saved by grace. But it's funny when that what you believe about yourself gets challenged and you find out what you actually really do believe. I'm going to give some examples here that are kind of personal. Um, they're personal. <laughs> no, they're, they're surface personal, so you know they're still, you're not getting too deep with me. Yeah, I still have a little bit of walls, you know. <laughs> okay, no, so <clears throat> for me, uh, this is just something I always did. I, I grew up um, doing devotions, and maybe I'm talking to the choir here, that's okay. But I grew up doing devotions, right? Spending time with Jesus every morning. And it wasn't something that really, I don't even remember mom and dad. Maybe when I was younger, you guys said, you know, go spend time with Jesus. But at, I don't ever remember it being like a rule in our house. I just wanted to spend time with Jesus. I read my Bible, and uh, I'm, I was a little bit, um, what's the word? I, I think about time a lot. So I made sure it was always at least 30 minutes. If it was a little bit more, I was doing really good. You know, <laughs> if it was an hour, whew, I could feel his presence all day long. <laughs> And there's truth to that. There's truth to that of being aware. But I never really, really realized that I had found a little bit of my salvation, if that's a strong word, I guess, a little bit of my righteousness and the fact that I spent time every morning for 30 minutes or more. And um, we went through a season in our lives a couple of years ago where we spent, we had, uh, let's see, it would be, this is, this might not matter to some people, but to me, I had to stay up till like midnight some nights praying. We just had a lot of uh, wonderful seasons of prayer. And uh, um, so, you know, I would be exhausted. <laughs> you know, you, you think you're going to go to bed at whatever time, 10, and then you, you end up having to intercede and pray until midnight or so. And I couldn't get up early enough to have devotions in the morning like I normally would. This went on for like like a couple months. I would... I would get up just in time to take a shower, get to work, maybe like pray or something on my way. And then it was like, oh my gosh, okay, maybe on my lunch break I'll get to, which sometimes I did, and maybe, and if not, then when I get home at night. But all day long, it messed with me. I was like, oh my gosh, God, I bet you're not here with me right now. Oh my goodness, work, work really probably is not going so well right now because I didn't get that time in the morning. And... I realized that I had found a little bit of my, my worth to God in what I spent my time doing in the morning. Um, another example is uh, writing worship songs. Uh, I used to, as a teen and, and up till we got married, I used to write uh, songs even after we were married. I used to write at least one worship song a month. That felt good to me, you know, sometimes more. Again, I was very analyzing of all this, but not realizing I was. And <laughs> I used to write, you know, at least one worship song a month and um, felt like God, you know, spoke to me through that. That was my connection time. And then we got um, a child 
and we got rid of our keyboard, which made it hard for us to, to play while she's napping. And all of a sudden, my songwriting, not my worship life, just my songwriting, started going down. Oh my gosh, it's been three months. I haven't written a, a song. Oh no. Oh my gosh. And, you know, it would be like six months, and finally, whoo! Oh, I had a spirit song that I could write down. That's like what it was for me. And I had no idea that I had found my relationship measured in how well I was um, writing songs and how, how much I was writing songs. And the same thing, this was happening about the same time as the devotions. It was just like, oh my gosh, God, you're not here. And you know what broke through was, you know, a friend sticks with you all the time. It doesn't, that friend does not care if you haven't texted them that morning. <laughs> Maybe that's what you do every morning is you text your friends, good morning, or good night, or whatever, and oh my gosh, you missed it for a whole week. You know, like, the friend isn't, probably doesn't even care, but <laughs> I'm just saying, like, all of a sudden, something started breaking in me, and it was slowly, but it was, oh my gosh. I didn't have time to do my devotions today. You're still here. You still love me. And not only that, I can expect really good things today. And in fact, I'm going to see amazing blessing in everything that I do because you love me. And oh my gosh, I haven't written a song for three months, but I, could, I just love worshiping you. I don't have to write a song. I don't have to have it all quantified of, of, of our relationship. That's really what it is. I was quantifying my relationship with him. Another one um, is feeling his presence during worship. I used to, uh, when we first started doing the youth worship nights, worship nights, worship on Thursday nights or Wednesday nights, um, that was like three or four years ago. Every time I led worship, if I didn't feel like this amazing presence, I thought I was far away from God. And I would beat myself up after I got, got done with worship and like, oh my gosh, you were distracted. You were probably, you had a busy day, you could not let it go, or whatever it was. And all of a sudden, stuff started breaking that he loves me, he likes me, he's my friend. This is not about what I can do for him. This is not about what we can do for him. It's not about how much we do devotions, how much we sing, how much we do worship, how much we feel things. He is our friend. That's it. That's it. It doesn't change. It doesn't change. No, it, nothing can change it unless you walk away from your friendship with him. And that's what the Pharisees were doing. They were doing everything but friendship. Don't ever find yourself in that place. If you do, reconnect with God immediately. If you find yourself just doing the motions of worship, of devotions, of whatever it is, and not having connection with the Lord, if it's not out of a place of love, if it's not out of a place of, I just love him, and that's why I do these devotions, and that's why I write songs. I just, it's an overflow of love. It's him first. It's friendship first. Um, I like, there's a, a little uh, story that um, Jonathan Helser's dad, he was telling uh, about his dad, and um, I guess he was a pastor or something. I don't know what he was. Um, but a lady came and just said, I'm going to butcher the story because I don't remember all the details. I'm going to make it up. <laughs> uh, no, um, she basically was just struggling um, with feeling the Lord, I think is what it was. Sound right? Um, so 
the um she's like i'm going to church every day or every sunday i'm you know doing all these things i just feel like i'm not connecting with the lord and so he told her well stop going to church and it's like what you know that's not what you do and he said no if you're doing it out of religion then it's nothing it's not you're you're finding like it's like me you're finding your salvation or your righteousness or your goodness in what you do so stop go go connect with the lord and then you can then you can come back and tell you you know you're doing if when you're doing things out of duty and not out of love or connection it's actually very um, harmful for you because you get this deception of thinking i am earning my salvation i am earning my relationship with the lord i'm earning his presence we don't earn his presence he pours it out freely. It's all a gift. Your salvation is a gift. You're a new creation because it was a gift from God. All of it's a gift, and we get to have connection with him, and then out of that connection, all these other things just come. Um, so don't do anything if it's just out of, I'm doing this. Um, this is, um, let's see. Yeah, sometimes in the church, I think we can get very focused on the wrong things like I was we ask people when when they want to you know be held accountable or whatever and we ask them how was how's have you been doing with your quiet time H have you been struggling with whatever sin pornography or whatever are you praying regularly those are the things we ask that's that's great but those are just symptoms those are just symptoms of the real problem say someone really is struggling with sin <clears throat> the issue is not sin. That's been defeated on the cross. We're new creations. That's, the, that's just a symptom of you don't know who you are. You don't, you don't have a connection with your father. See, identity comes out of this relationship. You don't have to strive to get to know. I got to know this. I got to know this. No, just get to know him. Because when you get to know your father, you get to know, wow, this is who I am. This is who I am. So we, we focus. It's so easy. So easy to focus on the symptoms of, oh, you've been struggling, um, feeling like you want to worship. Well, what's wrong in your heart? Well, maybe you just need to go get with the Lord. Maybe you just need to go connect. Okay. Oh, skipped all the way up. So, does God like, this is just a tidbit, does God like relationship yeah like that's it to him that is literally all that matters to him with you I just want to be in relationship with you he came to earth because he loves us he loved the world so much he gave his son you realize he gave his only son for you can you imagine having one son one daughter, and you gave them up so that you could be in connection, that's relationship, with someone else? Oh my gosh. He loves, loves, loves us so much. Um, I love the story of David because David um, grew up in Bethlehem, and he was out in the field, we know this, watching sheep for his father. He was not the son that everybody thought was going to do great things. He was the um, probably some say the illegitimate son of, of the father. And 
here he is um, worshiping God. You know, Saul takes, um, eventually Saul brings um, David to his um, courts to play the harp. He had to have been playing that harp out in the field. And all of these psalms that come out of him, he, he had to have been starting when he was out there watching the, uh, the sheep. That just doesn't happen overnight that psalms start flowing out of you. And here is David, he's worshiping, and you know, he, this is like the first place he falls in love with God. Like, that's what I see it as. Bethlehem was the first place. And then when Jesus comes to earth, when God is getting ready to become man, he takes Joseph and Mary at about nine months pregnant for Mary, and he sends them from Nazareth to Bethlehem. And he has the Son of God, God incarnate, God in the flesh, born in Bethlehem, and the first people that find out this amazing news is shepherds in the fields of Bethlehem. So if you don't think God was honoring David's first connection, first time of falling in love, like, that's not a coincidence. Like, there were so many things that God just did. So does God like to have a relationship with you? Yes. Yes. You're not less than. And in fact, you're falling in love with him could determine where he sends his next move, could determine what he does in your area where you fall in love with him. <clears throat> it attracts, it attracts him. But it, I think, I, this is just how I picture it. I just see like God, like so in love with David and like, oh my gosh, guys, do you hear him singing right now? Do you see how much he loves me? You know what, what do we got planned for the earth? What, what are we getting ready to do on the earth? Oh, yeah, I'm going to be sending my son. Let's do it there, right there in Bethlehem, because I want to honor this love. <laughs> so I think one thing that kind of um, can hold us up is discipline and character, I guess. <coughs> we sometimes can take discipline and character and make religion out of them, but that does not mean they're bad at all. Just like going to church is not bad. It is very good. You need to stay in connection. Just like having devotions is good. You've got to stay in connection. It should always be from connection first. And the same, play, same thing with discipline and character. God might take you through a season where he's building character. It should not be because or it should be, because it's out of a place of, I love you, I'm going to let this character happen in me. Um, the same thing with discipline. Wow, this really hurts, Lord. Wow, you're really asking me to get up at this time, or, or whatever it is. Uh, I love you. I love you. So it might be really hard for me. It might take me a while, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let you work discipline into me. Everything we need comes from him. So discipline, if you need more discipline, if you feel lazy, just ask for it from him. If you need wisdom, ask for it from him. If you need, you need help in any area, see, he's given us all things for life and godliness. That means everything you need to walk in this godly, um, righteous way is all in him. He'll give it to you. Oh my gosh, I really struggle with this temptation. Just ask him. He's so good. See, it all comes from relationship. It's not you working to get, conquer this sin. He conquered it. It's done. Um, so I like this, though. Um, let's see. Jim Baker was talking about budgeting. 
with your finances. And he has um, kind of a different approach to it. It's same thing of you know keeping track of your expenses and stuff. But he said a lot of people, Christians especially too, um, can't stay on a budget because you you start and it's maybe you're having to cut this out and that out or whatever and it gets too much and finally it's like I can't do this anymore. This is too hard. I I can't stick to this strictness to discipline basically. And so what he what he um, said he has his whole church do is they write out all of their expenses every single transaction um, and like a notebook or something each week with their spouse and they ask themselves three questions they ask the Holy Spirit to come but then they ask themselves three questions I don't remember all the questions but one of the questions is did was I a good steward with this money did I use this money like you wanted me to in this transaction and he said what happens is after like a couple months is you don't start looking at your money the same way you don't you don't look at it like it's mine to do whatever I want with you look at it as every single transaction am I being a good steward right now am I being a good steward right now and when you change your outlook your perspective your vision it totally changes how easy it is to be disciplined when you have a reward, see God's a God of reward, when you have a reward that you're looking at in, in front of you, it's really easy to be disciplined. If there's a trophy waiting for you, oh yeah, I can do this, like, this is a piece of cake. So in discipline, if you're struggling with something, again, go to, go to the Lord, he's your best friend, and ask him to give you vision, to give you a new perspective of that area. Maybe like in this, it was their budget. If you are constantly spending too much, then ask the Lord, Lord, give me a new perspective of how you see this so that I can look at it as, so that I can look at it with vision and purpose because that's what brings discipline. When you have vision and purpose for something. I don't know if that makes sense, but that's it. Okay, almost done. Um, so here's just some quick keys that I constantly check myself on um, to stay in connection. Um, one, I already mentioned this, taking time to listen. I mean it. It is like for me, I don't know how it is for all of you, but for me, I can't go for a couple weeks um, and feel like I'm in connection if I have not taken a half hour, an hour with no agenda, no I'm getting ready to check off my devotion list. There's no agenda, just Holy Spirit, what do you want to say to me right now? What do you want to speak? So take time. And it, sometimes it can be hard to find the time, but man, it's worth it. Because when you get when you find out that you're loved and you get to pour out your love on the Lord and you have this wonderful com, uh, communion and connection, everything else feels way easier. All the things you were stressed about, all the things that felt like, oh, I, but if I take this time, then I won't get this done. All of a sudden, it's just so much easier. Everything's easier. Take time to listen. It really matters. If it is your priority, you will reflect it in your time. If it's something you really care about, your schedule will it'll show up in your schedule. Keep uh, keeping my prayer language and my worship going throughout the day. That's just awesome. Like we get to do that. Just keep some worship music going. Keep some 
you know, when you're in the car, pray, pray in the spirit under your breath or whatever, just throughout your whole day, stay in connection and being aware of him in every day. Like, I like, this is something that the Lord showed me a few days ago that it just kind of was cool. Um, I just saw the Holy Spirit like a dove, and he was literally just like resting on my desk at work, and it was like he was like, all right, this, this pile of stuff right here, let's do this together. And then it was like I saw him jump from there to my computer, and it was like, okay, I want, let's do this together. And it's amazing that God wants to do every little thing with you. He wants to be at work with you, be at home with you. He just loves being with you. And it's really not a, it's not a question about um, does God want to have friendship with me? It really is a question, how much do I want to be a friend of God? That's really it. So, okay, that was it. Don't you love it? Oh my gosh, I love you guys sharing. That's a, this is like one of my favorite Sundays. But then when Hannah and Trent do theirs, that's a favorite Sunday. And um, I just ha I want to share a couple things because we're getting ready to pray for some teams, and um, I'm real excited. Um, one, we've got the team that's going to New Zealand, Australia, and we also have a team. Haley and Ethan, who are going to do the WOW next Saturday, and I'm super excited for that, and I feel like it's just so God. You know, it's, it's, it's all the things that he's doing, and so um, I wanted to just share a couple things that the Lord has laid on my heart with this, and then I want us to pray, uh, I think, in a direction. So, Father, I just pray that all of this will, uh, Lord, just be clear to all of us. Lord, all the things that are, are going on are just about that you're here. And you are in relationship with us. And we are a relational people who are in love with you. And I thank you, God. I remember Ron and I were just early married. And, of course, we'd never heard about devotions except for, you know, we in youth group we would memorize a couple verses growing up. I did. And stuff, but um, I read a book or heard it, and it was that God wants to talk to you. And that was the most shocking thing I had ever heard in my life. I had just received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and then I found out He wanted to talk to me, which is what, and I'm just going to say over the years, it's never, I mean, anyone that knows me, it's never been a duty. It is like my chief delight. Towards evening, it's really hard because I start wanting to fall asleep. And, you know, that's when we need to call John and Jess. And every single time I'm like, hi, hi, goes do it. You know, I just am like, I would love to be on their timetable, but I'm not. And, uh, but I can't wait till morning. And sometimes when I go to bed, I think, oh, I can't wait till I get up. And, and, and because I love the relationship, it's never, ever empty. And so, Ethan, that was just uh, an awesome, awesome word, I think, for all of us. But this is a, 
I'm really going to move right on with it, I think. Um, I'd read this this morning, and Tony actually prayed it in our intercession, but I had read a word by Jim Gold on the Elijah list that's been my prayer. Now, I want you to understand, and it's the same thing Ethan and Haley are doing, but global celebration, I have never in my life, we have gone all over the world, and, and I have never seen such unity. I, I mean, this guy has gone to warlords. Uh, you know, I mean, we have been, uh, we've, we've done fire tunnel on the streets of Bangkok with the prostitutes and the pretty boys. I've gone into bars and witnessed. I, re, I was thinking, yeah, I went into a bar and witnessed, you know, and I'd even prayed about coming here and doing it. And I thought, well, that probably wouldn't look real, real great for a pastor to go do that here. But saying that, uh, I'm talking to this guy, and he's from Ireland, and his mother was home praying for him, and he'd met Jesus when he was little. And there we were talking to him, and he began to weep and cry. I mean, it's like these encounters. But what I'm telling you is there was, there's, it's broken all boundary lines in me. I mean, I've had changes. We've had tons of changes, and the church is changing, not just us. The church in America is changing. The religion is falling away. There is a movement that is breaking the power of religion and opening us up to relationship like we've never known. So global celebration's just been that, and so I'm excited. I don't know what's going to happen in New Zealand, but I'm excited to see what's going on in Australia, this team, and, 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 and what's going on. So saying that, my prayer, and I'm a, I'm a let's hold hands circle person. Honestly, I don't know that I've ever left anybody in my life. I've had a lot of people leave me, but I've never really left anyone because that because I'm a circle person and I'm like, oh no, let's just keep connection. Let's just keep doing it. Let's just, you know, it, let's let's just hold on. Let's hold on to relationship. And so I know that Jesus had that because he said, Lord, I pray that not only will these all be one, but the whole body of Christ would be one. In fact, I see one big circle, that they'd all hold hands together, that they'd all love one another, that there would be this unity come. And, and that's what, honestly, when we walked in those teams, we've walked in that. And I've been praying that. I pray that for this area. I pray, you know, that... that um, no one has to find fault in another church or another movement or another, that God can break the power of that. And so anyway, Jim Gold was sharing this. He had unity and diversity. And I want you to hear this because I believe God has been doing this in all of us. And I know he's done it in, in me. And it's Jesus' prayer that we would all be one so we would have unity and diversity. Now, there's always going to be unity in that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. He, everything he purchased on the cross is ours. All of the things that are, are um, solid in the Lord have to be. But maybe the way you were baptized, or I don't know. I mean, all of the different things that can cause, I think Ethan was even sharing it, the rules and the regulations, they need to be broken off because they're not the main thing. And so saying that, uh, Jim had this dream of a group of leaders uh, uh, that were, it was a biblical study of end-time theology, and it was a group of leaders, so it was churches all over, end-time theology, and, and uh, great authority in this group, great leaders, 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 all over, end-time theology, but there was such diversity in the group on their views, 
Now, I want to tell you what I felt the Lord showed me, and I've said this before. The, the Word of God is a many-faceted diamond, and you may get a view, which I can say all of us have, a view of one part of the Word of God. And sometimes God can shine a different light on that same Word, and it be a little bit different. But, but uh, one light on that, well, that's only one part and I would say we have a, we have a uh, revelation of the family. Uh, you know, we've been called to the family mountain. We've been called to take a community and, and see that. But saying that, that revelation needs to come together with all the other revelations. But if one a hand says to a foot, I have no need of you, there's no unity. And so Paul was really, really concerned for the church because that had happened. So this is a group just like that. Leaders who had different ideas, and believe me, there are different ideas of how things are going to end, you know. And so in the dream, all were feeling they were purists. They were like, I'm a purist. I'm sorry. I'm a purist. And honestly, all of you, when you found the Word of God and you found something and it's pure, then you are a purist. But that's on your revelation. Okay? So that's on your revelation. That's not the fullness. Good night. We're, don't be wise in your own opinions. Uh, you know, we, We've got to come to a humility where all of what God is doing is so big that you're going to just need to be humble. Even if your revelation is pure, it's not everything. It's a peace, okay? So here they all were, and they were purists in the word. And I've seen Christians get that way, and you can't even come together and pray. You can't because they're purists and you do this and we don't do this and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, oh, God, change this. But I'm telling you, we can do with all kinds of things. I remember the first time on Global Celebration, I was on a trip and I'd heard a teaching. I really respect this teacher. In fact, she's actually a congressman in, in Florida right now. And she taught against tattoos because she'd grown up am among them and it was bloodletting. Well, it depends on what, who, who you're doing it for. <laughs> I mean, that's, but I didn't know that because I wouldn't, I've never been into that. They were, there was Satanists and all kinds of stuff going on. And so that was the teaching. So I taught it and I believed it. And I'm just going to tell you that when I saw the scriptures that said that he tattooed us on his heart, I went, oh my gosh, that's exactly the literal translation of it. And then I saw these people and we were worshiping together and they had tattoos. And I went, oh. Something needs to break in me. I, can't, I mean, I believe the things I've been taught have been good, but I need to keep growing in it. That revelation she had was good for a group of Satanists. It was good. But I, I'm just going, I need a greater revelation of the body of Christ. And I've seen that over and over and over. Everywhere we've gone, it's like, well, we don't do it like that. And all of a sudden, it was like, Lord... I'm asking for you. So it's back to relationship. I'm asking for you. So in this dream, of course, they would feel that they were wholly dedicated. They would feel that their revelation was the pure one because they were fully dedicated to the Lord. They were good people. They loved God. But there was a thick tension in the room as the leaders got together and began to discuss their views. And up until now, that thick tension has brought division all across the body of Christ. Yes, tell, tell God that I really appreciate him wanting to talk to me right now.
because I really want to hear him. <laughs> okay. Anyway, finally, an agreement came for the sake of unity to seek the Lord and find essential main points they held in common. Instead of seeking where they divided, seek where they unify. And that's what Tony was praying. You guys, we need to grow. Seek where we unify. There are, there are basic foundations of the word that don't change. We're not talking those. We're talking these little add-on things. Um, and the prayer with worship was the key. They began to worship and they began to pray together. Holy Spirit could lead and invade. They prayed that. And he said, and it's again, this is, this is an issue in our nation, and it's not just in the church, because there is a religious spirit in the world. We do the right thing. I'm just telling you. Conformity and the prideful control spirit of religion and politics were set aside. Politics, promoting your own views. It's the same thing. I, you know, I just heard somebody recently that didn't like our president. And I, I'm just going to, you know, and I'm going to tell you with some, some that I didn't particularly like. I did not voice it. I got to the place. I just honored them. But I want to tell you something. Right now, the president that we have may not be what some people in religious circles would think is okay. But I am going to tell you that he is promoting God's standards like we have prayed for for years. Number one, he supports Israel, and it is the number one thing. It is that our nation would be aligned with Israel. Number two, he is for Christians and Christianity. And we've not had that in a while. Number three, and this is just as important to me, he is against abortion. And we have prayed for all of those. I, I am not into, I, I don't care what, deno I mean, denomination. I don't care what party it is. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking that those are the things of God. But unity cannot come in the body of Christ. It cannot come if we've got a political spirit or if we have a religious spirit. It will, and Ethan, you didn't even know I was going to share on this, but, it, but I'm going, this is about what I want us to pray for today. So you'll, you'll understand. Paul persecuted the church. This was the breaking of this prideful control spirit. Paul was religious. He persecuted the church about three years. He had an encounter that broke open things. After the encounter, he spent three years in Arabia all by himself with relationship with God. Before he went and talked with Peter. He needed his relationship. And from the time he met Jesus, and I said, Lord, we prayed for the Holy Spirit to come on those that didn't know you. And I felt like the Lord spoke to me. I said, but you come, and you're so gentle, and you're so kind. And he said, but I also come like a mighty wind. And he said, this time I'm coming like a mighty wind. And I just want to thank the Lord that he's doing that. He did that at Pentecost. Okay, so saying, to, saying that, they got together. Oh, then he returned to his own, own hometown for 10 years to share what Jesus had done with him. And I did not know that. I had done a study on him recently. So this is what this group came to. They agreed in a literal second coming. 
all of them. That Jesus is literally coming again in, in, in the body on, on the earth. That was the first one. That there's a literal heaven and hell eternal. Okay? That there's a great commission and a global harvest that God wants to bring a harvest to the earth. That the glory of the Lord is going to cover the whole earth with his Holy Spirit. It's going to be poured out. And number five, um, Israel's, uh, Israel, God's heart and end-time purpose for Israel. And they could come to agreement in those, and they could worship and love each other. And I believe that God is saying, I want unity in the body of Christ. And I, I think I had shared with someone not real long ago, he said, that, that, that's what's going on. We're taking a generational team. And what's amazing, this is generational. We have this generational work that's going on among us. Okay, I want to tell you what part of that is that's such a big deal. You don't throw the old out. Now, sometimes we need to, okay? If, it's not, if you go, oh, that was a wrong view. I don't want that. Lord, change it. But you don't throw out the old standards of good things. The, we need to thank God for our church fathers. We need to thank God for those that carried the cross and did the things over the generations. So you don't throw out the old. But Jesus also said, in comes the new. And there's always a new coming with the Holy Spirit. And so I felt the Lord said, I want to wash the old and I want to wash the new together and I want to bring a generational thing. I believe what we're taking this team to New Zealand and Australia is a sign and a wonder because there is generational team. We've taken them several times. And I know that's why Georgian wanted to come to our church because he's seen the generations moving together. Generations don't move together. It's either old or it's new. And you know what? It's hard for both to come together. It really is. The young see things new, and they're like, hey, I'm going after it, believe me. And the old see things as solid and steadfast, and they say, no, it's got to be this way. And God is going, I want to take all of that and make it one, and it's going to be a powerful move. This is going to be a generational move. So saying that, here we are, you and I, and we're in this place again of sending a small remnant, but, it, but it's a large work. Can you not see the large work in the generations among us? It's a large work. When the body of Christ no longer can worship and pray together because of differences in thought, the Lord's heart is broken because he wants relationship. I, Ethan, that's amazing. He wants relationship. God doesn't, doesn't need us to be right. Rather, he needs us to be yielded like Jesus, who only did what the Father saw. So this is the, this is the direction. I'm sorry. <laughs> so why well, I had somebody say, are you the one that yells up there? <laughs> I was like, yeah, probably. Okay. <clears throat> so much is happening. The anointing, now this is what I want us praying for today because I want, I want you to hear this. The anointing is what enabled Jesus to only do what he saw his father do and to only say what he heard his father say. It was the anointing. Okay, I'm going to say it. It was the Holy Spirit that revealed the father to Jesus. Jesus was flesh like you and I. 
just like you and I. And when the Holy Spirit visited him, it revealed the Father completely to him. He lived, it's like what Ethan said when he saw the dove on the desk, he lived literally with the Father in him through that Holy Spirit. Through the Holy Spirit. And that word, Holy Spirit, is anointing. We call Christ the anointed one. Jesus the anointed one. It's anointing. Okay. If we all are not anointed, then our works are flesh and they're in vain. We have to walk in anointing. Um, Knowing his life was, okay, First of all, Jesus, a, a man, was baptized by John, okay? As he was consumed with the spirit of prayer, it says. It says that he was in prayer. He was consumed by a spirit of prayer. He was baptized by John. His heart yearned deeply for the Holy Spirit. I believe before Acts happened that they were yearning for the Holy Spirit. One of the things that is about David, which he shared, David was baptized in the Holy Spirit. There were were those in the Old Testament who received that. And David received that when Samuel poured that anointing on him. It's the Holy Spirit that empowers this. It's, it is, it's, and it's what shows us what Jesus is saying and what Jesus wants us to do. Okay, so Jesus was baptized with John as he was consumed with the spirit of prayer. His heart yearned deeply for the Holy Spirit. As the Holy Spirit came and rested on him like a dove, then the Father spoke audibly and said, This is my Son, so dearly loved, through you my purpose on the earth is fulfilled. The anointing had just come on Jesus, and now the Father said, through you, my purpose is going to be fulfilled on the earth. God's purpose will not be fulfilled without, our, without the anointing. Um, anyway, he said, um, and you will bring me great joy. Luke 4, 1. So now, and I've always thought this was so cool. Listen to this. You guys got to hear this. Jesus is full of the Holy Spirit now. The dove has rested on him. He's got the Holy Spirit, and and he's led into the wilderness. And I'm going to tell you why he was led there. Because the strength of man had to go. The Old Testament says, Cursed is a man who relies on his own strength. The world, the, the enemy will empower the strength of man. He will. You think Hitler was not empowered? He will empower the will and strength of man. But Jesus yielded himself and became a broken, that's why we all have to go through breaking, a broken, yielded man. And he was broken in the wilderness. And, he, and when, the, when, when he hadn't eaten for 40 days, uh, the devil tried to tempt him to eat bread, and he said, I can't eat any kind of bread except what comes from my Father. So Holy Spirit's just flowing through him now. I can't eat any kind of bread that comes from my Father. Now, I will give you all the kingdoms of the world. Here, come, stand up here, and I'm going to show you the whole kingdoms. The whole world is going to be yours, Jesus. You won't have to go through the cross. You won't have to go through anything. Just let me, let me empower you. you. And, and Jesus said, I'm only worshiping my Father. I'm only going to worship him. And then he said, if you are the son of God, 
He'll take care of you. Test him. And he said, you won't test God. And Jesus walked out of the wilderness in the power and anointing of the Holy Spirit. The power of the Spirit. It was the power. I'm telling you, I want to go in the power. I want you guys to pray for the power of the Spirit to, to send us. I want the power of the Spirit to invade us here. I want to live in the power. It isn't about everything that you do in your own strength. And honestly, seasons of brokenness are good, just like his wilderness. I mean, if Jesus went through it, we will. That's just, and it was all love. Father was not beating his son. He was loving him. But he was allowing him to be filled with the power. And then it says that Jesus went out from there and great signs and wonders happened. And so this is what happens when the power of the anointing comes. Jesus said that you can't see the kingdom in the physical realm. He said you won't be able to see it with your eyes. You can't see with your physical eyes this, this realm. Now, children are amazing because they see in the spirit real, real easy. But you will not see the kingdom in the physical realm. It's not visible. You can't say, lo, here it is. Lo, there it is. There's the kingdom. There's the kingdom. But Jesus pulled it down through the anointing. And he healed, and he provided, and he brought miracles everywhere he wa went. God wants us to move in the power of the anointing and pull miracles down so people can see him. And then it's visible. Jesus made the kingdom visible, but it, but it was through the anointing. It was through the anointing. The spirits of hell are against the anointing. The spirits of hell are against the anointing. They almost don't even care if somebody gets saved if they're never anointed because they're never going. And honestly, Jesus said, if you don't gather with me, you scatter. If you're not a gatherer, if you're not moving in the anointing, you're going to scatter. And we see that with religion. Religion scatters. It makes people hurt and bitter. The spirits of hell are against the anointing, for without the anointing, mankind is no threat to their dominion. The only way we're going to take the mountains is through the Holy Spirit's anointing, period. Jesus was offered the world through the enemy, but he resisted by fire and testing to bring God's dominion through the Holy Spirit. So here we are. We're taking this team, but it's all of us. I mean, this morning, was there not anointing? It doesn't matter about us and our strength. It matters about the anointing. And God wants a visible demonstration in Owen County. It's all of us pulling on that anointing. You're all anointed. If, if you've received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you're anointed. That's just the way it is. And Jesus said you'd be filled with power. I believe you go through seasons of wilderness and breaking so the power can come stronger. Because how many times do you find yourself again relying on the strength of man? And God's going, I, you can't. Everyone who gets breakthrough is usually what they've been totally broken through and then they end up ministering in it. Every single time. Why? Because the strength of man had to be broken. Oh yeah, I'm a good entrepreneur. I know how to do business brokenness 
Next thing you know, huge business coming through the anointing. It just, I mean, that's the testimonies over and over. Healing coming. Someone dealing with infirmity. All of the things we've walked through, don't waste your sorrows. I always love that book. Don't waste your sorrows. Let them be your wilderness so you can come out in the power and anointing of the Lord. So anyway, yay, that wasn't too long. Good. Okay, I would like um, all those that are going to be on the team and Ethan and Haley to come up, and I would like prayer. Honestly, it's the same prayer for all of us. Because uh, I want them anointed. I believe God wants to use them. I'm so excited that it's going on here and um, that, that they've had the opportunity. I don't know if anybody was at their wedding. Of course, I'm a mother. But there's a mother, another mother and father right there, too. But that was, that was an incredible wedding. And was it anointed? Come on. It was. When they sang that. Thank you for listening to this message. Yeah. 